Hello and welcome to Scary Pair, a horror movie podcast between partners. It's been so long, I almost forgot. You didn't know what to say? Uh, I'm nine. To be opal or not to be opal? (laughs) That is the question. That is the question. It's opal. Uh, This week we watched Theater of Blood, 1973. Uh, Excuse me. Theatra? (laughs) Yes, the the very British Theatra of Blood. Theatra. Uh, directed by Douglas Hickox, starring Vincent fucking Price. This is our fr- We have a scale named after the man, and this is our first This is our Vincent first Price one. Movie. We are so bad. We're popping the cork right now. <laughs> uh, also starring uh, Ian Hendry and Diana Rigg. But Opal, before we get to that, what have we been up to past few weeks? We went to another country we did uh that was a lot of fun we went on vacation we went to japan how how was that in your opinion oh it was so good it was so lovely it was so good i want to go back me too we're already thinking of like if we want to go again or not and we probably will someday i'm already thinking about can i find a way to import cans of lemon sours because those are so good (laughs) you were obsessed with those i know i I loved getting a fun little drink anytime i wanted from the convenience store the convenience is truly unmatched yeah uh it's just not the same here yeah i want to know if there were any like preconceived notions before traveling that you had proved wrong um not really i think you spent more time on like traveling to japan boards than i did so i think you might have had more of this than me Mm. i think for me like the big one is just that like um Everyone was uh, really, and I guess I wasn't expecting this to not exactly be the case, but I was I was surprised by like how polite everyone was. That didn't really surprise me. Yeah. Um, I was surprised by how many like English conversations we actually had. Like people just like clocked us as English and started speaking English to us, <laughs> even though I really wanted to try out my Japanese a little bit. Yeah. That kind of makes it easier sometimes, you know. It's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had a great time. Uh, we watched some movies. We did watch some movies. Um, so should we should we just get into those? Yeah, we did end up watching movies on our vacation. Yeah, I mean, in our downtime, we would we would like spend all day walking around Tokyo, and then we would get back to the hotel and be like, "All right, we need to crash and watch a fucking movie." Yeah, let's so, have some snacks from the conveni and watch a fucking movie. So we did that a couple times. Yeah. Um. So we started with, uh. I guess Oscar winning everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, we watched it post-Oscars. That happened while we were gone. I was really confused because I forgot about it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, everything, all at once, sweep the Oscars. How how did you feel about it? Um, It's like... It's like a send-up of a lot of, like already great movies so the fact that it is winning an oscar kind of irks me because it's like those movies that it's sending up should have gotten more attention and respect and love than they did and also i think the themes of it are a little too i mean it's just an interpersonal story about family drama and like that's fine but there's a million of those yeah i i have thoughts about that having like said all of that i do want to say like i thought technically it was done very well i thought it was really good um i don't think it's fair that people compare it to marvel movies it's kind of like nothing like that no it's i mean it has it has kind of it's like embarrassing cute moments that i don't really like that i would find comparable but i think 
the comparison kind of ends there. No, like, I would compare it more to, like, The Matrix or, like, the Scott Pilgrim movie. Oh, yeah, I can see that a lot. In terms of tone. Um, so, I, I think it works. I think it's funny. Yeah. Um, it is a bit, like, cloying, maybe? At times. I mean, here's here's my thought. I don't want anyone, like, listening to this to think that I didn't like it, but also... There are so many of these, like, intergenerational trauma movies, and that's not my problem in itself, but all of them end in coming together with the family that hurt you to be one big happy family again, (laughs) and I think that's a little insidious. It feels like they're kind of written by older people who have given up on trying to, like fight their family on that stuff you know a little bit yeah like the thing with all of these movies that um doesn't work is that in all of them the older generation has a come to jesus moment where they realize their mistake and repent for their actions and the hurt that they've caused the younger people in their family um and like change their behavior and that's just not how that works in all of these movies it takes like one good conversation with your mom to be like hey maybe she's okay now maybe she'll stop hurting me there is like i do think there's some cool stuff in here like um i hope i pronounce his name right but uh kehu kwan his character waymond i like waymond a lot he has this like philosophy of like i am going to be optimistic about a terrible life uh not, I think I think his storyline is kind of my favorite. His whole thing about like I I um am tactically optimistic even though I know cynically that you know the the world is bad out there and I use it as like a means to get myself through situations I wouldn't and to keep pushing and then try to be better actively. I think is a really cool philosophy and then I think it's also cool they even take that like a step further with like yeah, the main I, character. I like that he's like like, he's kind of a pushover, but he's not a complete pushover. Like, he's thinking of, like, getting a divorce for himself. Like, you know, like, that's kind of, like, a good character thing. Yeah, so I just, I enjoyed um, hearing some people in this kind of movie actually espouse, like, a way of navigating life that I found, like, at least somewhat, like, useful um, and insightful. Um, even if, like, I think this type of story is more interested when it's talking about societal issues than family trauma because the the you know everyone will just have like a kung fu conversation (laughs) where at the end of it everyone realizes that we just need to love each other and not hurt each other um kind of fails for me when it's a interpersonal thing at times so yeah like the racist irs lady is a person too you just need to talk to her yeah if you just talk to her like a person (laughs) then she'll see that you're also a human and uh will relate to you her husband left her She's having a tough time. She's... Also, by the way, Jamie Lee was in that movie way more than anyone led me on when they were really <laughs> mad about that Oscar. She is a main character in that movie. She is in it more than Joy. Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, I do want to shout out uh, James Hong, the fucking legend, um, playing the grandfather in that movie. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I think his performance is also a ton of fun. Yeah. And, you know, Michelle Yeoh, obviously. Yeah. Legend. Uh, but that wasn't all we watched. No, we watched a lot more than that. Um, we also watched Helter Skelter. 
yes, I wanted to show you a Japanese movie while we were on our Japanese trip. Thank you. So yeah, this one is um, from 2012. It is like a it's a it's an adaptation of a manga that I kind of liked before it came out. I think it's a really good adaptation. I think it has a really interesting visual direction. It's kind of like more of a psychological horror, but I really like it. Yeah, um, the like pitch for it, I guess, if you're not familiar with this movie, is like a um, a model uh, basically uh, has a bad time in a... Uh, models dealing with model issues. Yeah, I think um, the, the thing that I liked about this one is I think it's just a ton of fun. Uh, Helter Skelter, anyway. Like, it, it's just um, the main character's fun. Uh, she's so awful. I love her. <laughs> she's so awful. I love that they got a like model slash pop idol who's known to be like a little scandalous, a, a little bitchy to people. Uh, I mean. To to be Lilico, um, it, it's just a lot of fun. You're not gonna get someone with like a crystal clear image to do this role in that kind of <laughs> uh, pop culture. I'm afraid. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I think like elements of it fell like a little bit flat for me but overall like i had a great time yeah uh it's just like a solid a solid watch for sure if solid. you're like if you're like interested in like exploring the idea of like standards of beauty and modeling uh you know if, if you have ever watched like america's next top model and had thoughts about it <laughs> you should watch helter skelter if you want like a cutty psychological j-horror this is like what you want oh yeah for sure uh, next, we watched The Thing 2011. Yeah, I can explain this. <laughs> so... Just, uh, justify our behavior. I... We quickly discovered that you don't get to watch the same movies and shows in other places on different internet than you do on your home connection. <laughs> this is a this, struggle. This is, like, self-explanatory and all maybe seemingly on the surface, but I didn't think of that. Like, we didn't realize that when we went to Hulu, Hulu would just be like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were like, okay... You know, and, like, the thing is, normally, maybe we would consider, like, pirating something in this situation, but we're on, like, hotel internet, which is and a little spotty. we were spotty. curious about what Netflix might have in a different region. Yeah, so, you know, we did The the Thing, the original we, for we the podcast. Um, the Thing 2011. So, yeah, we, we explored it, because we were, you know, we were curious. We had never seen it. Um, I didn't like it. No, it's not very good. <laughs> The thing is, it's not very good. Um, I feel like you could blanket statement that it's not very good. The CGI is bad. Uh, it's like an action movie parody of what the thing actually is. But also, I don't know. I feel like it had a little bit of potential. Maybe a little bit. All right, here's here's my problem with the way that this movie is talked about. If you hear anybody talk about The Thing 2011, what they tell you is, like, this movie could have been good, but they made the effects look bad. And that means that the movie's bad. You're just telling me what I told you. I'm here to tell you. In addition to that, I think the story sucks. I think they yeah. are, everything that is like cool and implicit uh, about the thing is explicit and boring yeah. in the thing 2011. Um, You're not left wondering who's a thing and who's not. It's just kind of like, they're a thing. The, the protagonist is a character who is just like cosmically right. Um, and has to be cosmically right in a way that uh, is supported by the plot for the oh movie my God. to work. Girl boss. <laughs> it is a very girl boss movie. Uh, Implausible. Nothing she says should make any sense. But it but, does because it's the movie. Okay, it does have a couple scenes that work for me though. 
I think it sure, has. Yes. I think there is a there is a practical autopsy scene that is really cool. Yeah, no, I like think, that scene is cool to me. I think the scenes where they didn't use too much of the CGI and use some of the practical effects do look cool and everything. I just think that like overall the movie just kept annoying me because it's it kept annoying. it kept reminding me of much the better <laughs> movie the thing um with like every choice that it makes like constantly yeah. um so yeah i like couldn't get over that while watching it i could imagine having like a decent time if i wasn't thinking about that the whole time but like you can't help it it calls attention to itself at like every opportunity um so yeah plus it's got like it's got like a stinger scene at the end where it's like revealed that it's a prequel but you kind of already know going into it that it's a prequel yeah and like everything about it should tell you that it's a prequel if you know anything about the first one just it's a prequel that's what i'm saying also i don't love the cast uh i i love christopher uh have you uh of game of thrones fame playing like a random guy in it he's, but like he's a funny thing joel edgerton is like the main guy uh, opposite uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is just not doing anything. I don't know why you get Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Like, she's really good and all. I like it. I like her in basically everything she does, and she doesn't do a bad job. It's just like, I don't know if she fits that kind of movie. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love her in this, and I didn't love, for the most they, part, they people around They try to, like, her. homely her up a little bit. I'm like, she barely looks like herself a little bit. But yeah. also, it's like, they put her in, like, these glasses and, like, this very natural makeup they're like she's a scientist you see but it's just smoking hot mary elizabeth instead <laughs> it, it just doesn't work i, doesn't I work. hate when they do that to women who are actors who are like stunning because it's like i'm not buying this for a second yeah also it's mary elizabeth winstead work with what you've got <laughs> i know uh okay uh then it was time for us to fly home we we sure <laughs> did fly home and boy are my arms tired Oh my god. 12, 10, 12 hour flights. Um, I can't. I can't do it. It's, Listen, next time we'll get bigger seats. I'll bring more ibuprofen with us. We'll, we'll <laughs> shell out a couple more dollars for some bigger seats. Um, so on the flight, we decided uh, we were going to watch Jurassic Park. We did watch Jurassic Park on the way home. We were thinking about doing a marathon of all three, but I just didn't have the mental faculties to do all three no plus like the people in front of us were annoying and like put back their seats so like i had to hold up my laptop physically for most of the movie we didn't have a lot of room no no i like i'm reminded of like the in-flight meal that we had on the way there where like it's the most cramped and miserable i've ever been eating food in my life the in-flight meal on the way there. The American in-flight meal was the saddest thing I've ever eaten. The one on the way back from Japan was way better. I think the food was okay. It was just the conditions were mine, truly terrible. Mine was way, way better. They, the, the American one was in this soggy cardboard box that I'm just It just looks so over, sad. And I'm you eating like... like this ketchupy beef that's supposed to be Hayashi beef. And I'm like, this isn't Hayashi beef. And it's, <laughs> it's just the saddest you can be uh but anyway we watched jurassic park <laughs> yeah um you know it's jurassic park it fucking we watched, rules we watched jurassic park dozens of times but every time i watch it i find something new to appreciate about it what was it this time richard attenborough how much he puts stuff 
on Ian Malcolm. <laughs> when he's like laying on the table, he'll just like set stuff on him and uh, he'll just be like, ooh, ow. Well, I thought that was really interesting because like in between he my latest... He does it like three or four times. He like puts stuff on him. Well, in between like our most recent viewings of Jurassic Park, I learned that like Ian Malcolm's character was like supposed to die for the back half of that movie. Yeah, in the book he does. Yeah, so they had to like rewrite he him really into the scenes <laughs> so you're right like most of it is just richard Attenborough using him as like a table <laughs> i know it's really funny though i do like their banter in the back half though i think he is well used i think they were right to keep him yeah yeah um plus you get the sequel <laughs> <laughs> well listen i i care i hate the sequel uh bringing him back stuff but well when you have uh, you know, him in your movie, hamming it up, and he's doing such a good job, like, give him a little more screen time. Let him lay there with his shirt open and yeah. put stuff on him. <laughs> um, so then we, we returned home, uh, last week, uh, but we had a few, a few more movies in us. Yeah. Um, we rewatched in anticipation of the new one, uh, John Wick. Oh, I thought you were going to say the other one. <laughs> we'll get to that in a yeah. second. Yeah, uh, but we did rewatch John Wick. We did rewatch John Wick. The that first movie, one. That movie rocks. The, the first one is my favorite John Wick. I'm I'm actually really, really interested to hear how much people are liking the new one. I kind of really want to see it. I have heard good, mostly good yeah. things. I've heard like one or two negative things about it, but for the most part, I mean, it's a John Wick movie. I'm going to enjoy the the the, the fights. It's, it's probably about what you can expect from the other ones. I feel like yeah. no matter how you feel about those sequels, they're very consistent. Yeah, I do feel like like my enjoyment of those movies has gone down consistently, like across the sequels, just because like the the lore explaining of John Wick is like the least interesting part of it to me. Oh, you know what I heard that's good about the new one? Lore doesn't matter. All right, cool. Yeah, they uh, they kind of drop a lot of the stupid lore stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I heard anyway. Um. So yeah, we watched that one. Uh. Not and much. then, and then another one <laughs> we watched in preparation for a new one. Uh, we watched Scream. Or yeah, we watched. Yeah. We watched Scream. Uh, Scream's fucking great because we were, we were due for one. Um, I think this is a movie that just gets better every time I watch it. It's really, really good. Um, and specifically, just you know. Every once in a while, there's, like, a line that's a little bit embarrassing. Uh, listen, it is... We, now that we've done, But I feel done, like, like that's almost part of the charm. Now that we've done, like, several of the writers' movies for this podcast, it's like, ooh, it is so obvious that, like, yeah. he's, he's like this, you, you know? You do get flavors of the faculty here and there. Yeah, I think, but the, the thing about Scream is that it all manages to work. I don't know if it's just Wes Craven directing it and, like, making it work, or if it's the performances or what. I think that's part of it. I think the performances are also really, really good, obviously. Yeah, um, you know, we gotta talk about Matt fucking Lillard, uh, just doing the dang thing. Yeah, the highlight of the movie for me, yeah. which I think he's the highlight of almost anything he's in that I've seen honestly so pretty much work. yeah um we're we're lillard heads <laughs> lillard here. heads um so yeah that was good we're gonna watch scream six at some point yeah I, hearing the people like that one too uh the sequels i don't know but we'll do it <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it we'll catch up we'll, we'll put it down the pipeline all right well we're like 20 minutes into this we, podcast. We gotta add, like, a timestamp for if people want to skip just just talking about the movie. Sure, so let, let's get into... We had a lot of updating to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, we take a couple weeks off. We come back with our little weeks sack of, of goodies. Content. Yes. Yeah. 
I hope you like it. All right, but let's get into our movie proper. So, Theater of Blood. Uh, the I guess the backstory on this one, this is a sort of horror comedy in which Vincent Price plays a uh, Shakespearean actor who goes on a uh, murder spree, uh, <laughs> killing his harshest critics. Uh, by premise alone, you know you want to watch this. Oh, yeah. Um, so, this one, um, yeah, it's 1973. Um Price is, like, infamous at this point. Um, we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about him on the show. This is our first time, so I want to kind of get into some of his, let's, like, career. Let's introduce Vincent Price to you as a public. Even if you know him, we're going to do it. So I don't, I don't <laughs> think that you have watched a movie until you've watched Vincent Price. I think... I think... I th- you may have seen a, a feature-length dalliance... <laughs> but, but you, you haven't seen the a fucking movie, movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so to get into his career a little bit um uh this movie so specifically for this movie like he's he's uh 1973 he's vincent fucking price like several people agreed to do this movie or refused to do this movie based just on his reputation so that should tell you like everything right. you need to know um he got his start as like a successful character actor all the way back in the 40s. Um, and then his reputation as like a horror guy kind of took off in the 50s when he did um, House of Wax, The Fly, and House on Haunted Hill. Those are the three I would say are his biggest ones. Um, all, in the 60s, this gets even more cemented because he does a ton of movies with Roger Corman. Uh, specifically, he did like all of the Edgar Allan Poe adaptations like fall of the house of usher or um uh quite quite a few of those anyway mask of the red death Death, yeah those are all in the 60s with corman so those are all i want to watch more of those actually um by the 70s he's kind of a meme (laughs) at this point and his career is winding down a little bit um, well, he's he's gotten older. I mean, he he was already kind of an older guy when all of that was starting. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, so he had like when you get to the seventies, a lot of his like TV guest performances are just as himself. Yeah, because he's playing you know a cartoon of Vincent Price. Um, because the man's a fucking vampire in real life. <laughs> he did have a bit of a cultural resurgence in the eighties. He did the voiceover in the Thriller video, the like yes. beginning of that video. I, I knew that. Which is huge. Uh, and then, of course, he was uh, Radigan in The Great Mouse Detective, yes, one yes. of my absolute favorites. Um, so that's kind of like the tail end of his career. Um, he passed away in the 90s. So Yeah, I think his last role was uh, Edward Scissorhands. It was, it was one of his last ones. It wasn't which quite his he, last one. But he yeah. kind of just dies as a cuddly old man in that movie. So it's kind of <laughs> sad to watch when you know that already. But Yeah. Um, Vincent Price, I mean, he, he has like a huge cultural reputation. Um, you know, everybody knows Vincent Price. Uh, I saw the man's death mask. And you That's saw it true, too. we did, yeah. We saw it at the Museum of Death. Yeah, which was sick. Um, so, you know, he he's uh, an, an institution. Um, also a bi icon. Yeah, he he's just like a really cool guy. Uh, he was kind of an activist. He just seemed cool. Yeah, yeah. So seems like a cool guy. Can't, was really, friend- can't really say much bad about him. Was friends with noted communists uh, Lillian Hellman and Dorothy Parker, so cool for him. Uh, yeah, just just seems like an awesome dude. Yeah, um, cool guy. 
Uh, there's a reason it's called the fucking Vincent Price Vamp Rating. No one does it like this guy. Yeah, it's it's Vincent Goddamn Price. So. And th- th- I gotta tell you, this movie is the one that I imagine when I'm making that rating. <laughs> I, I mean, I believe that, like... Do, do you get more peak than this as Vincent Price? Him doing, like, Shakespearean soliloquies <laughs> while he, like, murders a guy? Well, I guess this is, like, his one of his favorite movies that he ever did because he got to do all the Shakespeare stuff in it. Which oh, he, had, he had always wanted to do, apparently. Yeah. So that that's really cool. Um... Speaking of, like, the rest of the kind of cast, um, Hickox, the director, um, he had previously done, like, an adaptation of a play and a crime film, so maybe a good fit for this one. <laughs> um, and he says that, like, the cast was so good, he just kind of, like, turned the cameras on and didn't have, let like, him, a lot of... Go. Didn't have a lot of directorial flourish. The, like, minor cast of this movie is basically stacked with successful theater actors uh i told you when we started watching it there's like seven people in this movie who are knighted i know (laughs) um and then um the last person that i want to talk about uh is actually diana rigg playing um the daughter um she was a successful actor in this point um she was like a sexy british actress (laughs) um think like a naomi watts like emily blunt type sure for her career at this point like she was a detective's assistant in, like, a British detective show before this, and a Bond girl. Yeah, I, so, I mean, she has a costume later where I can totally see that. Yeah. Um, she, she's gone on to be in uh, The Great Muppet Caper <laughs> and Evil Under the Sun, two great movies. Yeah, um, similar movies. She's also played uh, Olena Tyrell in Game of Thrones, the, like, old lady uh, uh, mastermind, kind of. That's her? That's her. I yeah. Tell her it was me. <laughs> <laughs> so she's great. That's funny. I can uh, see it though. Now you, that you, you say totally that. can. Yeah. And her last movie was uh, Last Night in Soho as oh, the old woman. Oh my that. god! Yes. <laughs> yes. It goes full circle. I love that. So yeah. Um, Rig also big fan of this one. She says this is like her best role. Mm. Um, we'll we'll get to it. I think she's great in this. I think she's great too. Yeah. Um. I said that was the last one. I do have one more bit of trivia about the cast. Yeah. Uh, so this movie is apparently where Price met his third and final wife, uh, Coral Brown. Yeah. Um, he was already married. <laughs> that's right. Um, she allegedly demanded to only wear designer clothes for the whole movie, um, which was over the budget of the movie. Um, so the director uh, got on the phone with the studio and said, give us more budget. Um, and then they got the clothes, which she then allegedly... Uh, capped after the film. Naturally. <laughs> um, uh, Don't al- settle for anything less. Also, apparently, a bi icon, uh, Mary Vincent Price, after this. Yeah. I want to know what hanging out with them looks like. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of the like preamble to this movie. Um, it's pretty like well regarded critically. Um, it's been like compared to another 1970s Vincent Price revenge movie that I want to watch. I so want to watch that one. It uh, gets mentioned a lot in relation to this one. The Abominable Dr. Phoebes. Yeah, so I want to see that. Um, but that's, yeah, that's kind of the intro to this one. It's interesting because I never hear about this movie, like at all. Yeah, it, it doesn't have like a huge, I mean, it is like a British movie. I kind of right? just stumbled so... onto it on demand one night when I was like 17. I think... Like, for Americans, kind of today, uh, thinking about Vincent Price, it's more common that you're going to think back to, like, the Roger Corman movies or to some of his later stuff. Like, I, I will always think of him as, you know, 
Radigan. Uh, that's like one of my favorite movies as a kid. That's what was like my introduction to Vincent Price, you know? Um, he was also in like some Scooby-Doo episodes and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, he was. Yeah. So, um. <laughs> for me, it's always, uh, the, the original, The Fly. That's always Oh, for sure. Of. Yeah. Yeah. That's classic. Um, but okay. I think that's enough preamble. I think so. We're 30 minutes in. It's time to start the Talking summary. about the summary. Uh, here Listen, he, I go. he deserves it. He, you know, this we, we've had a lot to talk about. I think it's all warranted. I think yeah. it's a super interesting story. Okay. We open on black and white footage of Shakespeare theater performances involving murder. Uh, it's going to be the murders in this movie, which yeah, is really good. Yeah, if you've seen the movie before, you know it's all the murders from the movie. Uh, so George Maxwell, a film critic, uh, complains over breakfast that his most cutting comments have been cut from his latest review, uh, and he's called to throw out some squatters from a building he owns. So you can tell this is going to have some things to say about uh, <laughs> critic culture. <laughs> Absolutely. His wife is like, oh no, I had a dream that animals tore you to pieces. Also, it's the Ides of March. Yeah, they do have a casual <laughs> conversation about it being the Ides of March. Also, there's a crack of thunder <laughs> as he drives off. This is not a subtle movie. Uh, so Maxwell arrives uh, and is greeted by some policemen. Uh, he attempts to throw out the homeless people, but they come at him with improvised weapons uh, as the police just kind of watch. <laughs> this is this will also be a running theme in this movie. Uh, someone in disguise will say something exactly in the way that Vincent Price would say it, and they don't realize it's him. Uh, He's like, hello. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, so Maxwell is uh, stabbed repeatedly, and one of the like police constables removes his disguise. Uh, he has a fake mustache over his real mustache. I do, and it's also really funny. <laughs> uh, and he has some banter with a dying Maxwell about how he's supposed to be dead. Uh, this is this is the first of my like one-liners that Vincent <laughs> Price does in this movie that I had to call out. He says, "I am well. It is you who are dead." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, and he, I guess we can get, uh, his character introduction out of the way. He's playing Edward Lionheart. A great uh, name. <laughs> a great, great actor. Um, he kind of gives this, like, closing speech from Julius Caesar, the, uh, friends, Romans, countrymen speech, famous speech, um, which fades into him performing it for the homeless people in, like, an abandoned theater. Yeah, another detail that I caught this time, they have, like, a loudspeaker with, like, a pouring applause <laughs> on it, just so you can pretend he's in front of a big audience. He's vamping. It's so good. Um, cut to the film critics circle meeting um, that Maxwell was running late for. This is where, I guess, a bunch of film critics meet up and talk shit. <laughs> These are a bunch of cartoon <laughs> snobby British people. Absolutely. Uh, a secretary arrives to announce that Maxwell has been murdered, uh, and police officers investigate the murder along with some of the critics, and they find a poster for uh, Lionheart's performance of Julius Caesar, which, if you know the story of Julius Caesar, guy stabbed to death multiple times, yada yada. You know, like real life. <laughs> uh, another critic, Hector Snipe, is called to meet with Lionheart in the abandoned theater, uh, Lionheart says he's planning a comeback and he wants to give an exclusive interview because he's supposed to be dead. I mean, 
I criticized you and you want me to come alone by myself to this abandoned theater when <laughs> my, one of my one of my <laughs> colleagues just died by violent murder. Okay. Alright, 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 yeah. Uh, there he finds clippings of negative film, uh, or negative uh, theater uh, critic reviews. Uh, Lionheart, it uh, turns out, can recite some of them from memory. Also, we're gonna get some crazy Vincent Price theater makeup oh, the yeah. whole time. Oh, yeah. 100%. Looks, he looks crazy. Um, and they recreate the murder of Hector in uh, Troilus and Cressida, um, stabbing Snipe with a spear. Uh, while he, you know, uh, gives his Shakespeare performance line yes. reads. <laughs> and then he does his performance again. <laughs> uh, at Maxwell's funeral, um, Lionheart impersonates a gravedigger so that he can bury him personally. <laughs> He's got this prospector type fit that I really <laughs> it's enjoy. It's fucking great. Uh, the other film critics in attendance are surprised by Snipes' corpse being dragged in by a horse. Uh, which is another scene from the play. This is when things start to get suspicious. <laughs> You could say. Uh, uh, one is a coincidence, but two? Is a coincidence. <laughs> uh, the police inspector speculates that, uh, you know, maybe someone whose career has been ruined by the critics is behind the murders. That could happen. It's more likely than you think. <laughs> um, and at the mortuary, uh, one of the critics, Peregrine Devlin, uh, meets with Edwina Lionheart, uh, Edward's daughter. Uh, we... We understand exactly who this man is because he named his daughter after himself. <laughs> That's right. The, Edwina and uh, Devlin have this weird relationship where he's, like, into her uh, a, a little a bit. bit. He has, like, feelings for her. I, I also kind of read it as, like, he feels a little bit of guilt and he pities her a little bit. Maybe. Because she just lost her dad. Maybe. And they kind of were highly, <laughs> highly a part of that, as we'll see. Um, but she's like, oh, no, don't worry, my father's dead. He committed suicide, remember, after you gave him that review. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Uh, uh, Horace Sprout and his wife return home from a rubbish new play uh, and have been delivered a giant locked chest. It's a cartoon giant box. Like, ooh, I wonder what's in there. But they don't check. They're they, too sleepy and snobby. They fiddle with it for a little bit and are like, I'll deal with it in the morning. So they just go to bed. Uh to the surprise of no one, a man comes out. <laughs> yeah, that, that night, Lionheart and his uh, goons, uh, dressed as doctors, emerge from the chest uh, and tranquilize uh, Sprout and his wife, and then uh, saw his head off. I think this is one of the funnier ones, because there is blood spraying <laughs> everywhere. There's also, like, a bunch of scenes, like, his wife is, like, painted for no reason, just for, like, this one-off scene <laughs> As, like, this overbearing, mean person or whatever. Just so that, like, while she's tossing and turning in her sleep, you will laugh when Vincent Price, like, stabs her in the butt with a big crunchy <laughs> no, needle. No, because she does this big British, like, like ooh! ooh. <laughs> when she gets, like, hypodermic <laughs> needles. Um, so, yeah, they, they decapitate uh, uh, Sprout uh, to mirror the play uh, Cymbeline. Although that's supposed to be in a sword fight. Taking some creative liberties, I think. It won't be the first time, it won't be the last. Uh, also, his head is delivered to Devlin's home? I'm not sure exactly how this works, because, like... There's the, some teleportation happening. Yeah, because, like, the maid comes by the next morning and, like, sees that he's dead and his head falls off and is like, ah, and then his head shows up, like, on Devlin's, like, in Devlin's house. And it's like, wait, how did this get here? Or is he in... 
in Sprout's house and like finding the head. No. It's confusing. Anyway. <laughs> um next up is Trevor Dickman. Dickman. Who is ensnared He is a Dickman. He he gets uh ensnared by dolled up Edwina. This is the, the James Bond Bond yes, Girl this moment. Is, this is the Bond Girl moment. She's got those big bottom lashes <laughs> that tell you that she's really smart. And the crazy curly blonde wig. Um <laughs> I almost, like, don't recognize her from the earlier scene she was in, because, no. like, the hair is totally different and everything. Well, this is a movie where we love to dress up. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the remaining critics are gathered up by the cops for protection, because, you know, three murders. Uh, as Dickman is killed, Merchant of Venice style. Uh, again, with some alterations. Um... <laughs> we have changed the scene so that Shylock wins, which will <laughs> yeah. make for a better play, I Yeah, think. Shylock gets his pound of flesh, which is uh, Dickman's heart is cut out. I think he should. I think he should win. Pretty that sick. Um, uh, Devlin tells the inspector uh, Lionheart's uh, vengeance backstory. His, his, like, evil villain origin story. I know. Uh, apparently he was... This is a Scooby-Doo villain. 1,000%. So he was, like, in line to get the Critics Award for Best Actor, um, but uh, he didn't get it. Uh, and he's convinced that the critics are, like, out to get him, and they're, like, deliberately humiliating him because the public all loves him. And how could they give it to, like, this young upstart actor instead? Um, so he, like, the day after the awards, like, barges in on the critics' meeting, grabs the award... Gives the Hamlet suicide speech and then throws himself off the balcony. <laughs> Which they're just like poshly laughing at. Like, oh. oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, this guy's the whole career is ruined. <laughs> Another thing I kind of like about the movie is like you never get confirmation or denial that whether he's a good or bad actor really necessarily. You kind of just mean, have to make your own conclusions. Like, yeah, yeah, he's this big hammy guy. Like maybe people really do like him, but yeah. I mean, you see him give the Shakespeare performances where he is talking big. like this to the back yeah. row. I mean, it's theater acting, you know, it's very big. It's very over the top. It's Shakespeare. Yeah. Like Shakespeare is so interesting because it has this cultural identity as, like, one of the classics, like, the foundation of English literature. And so it's very, it's very like, stuffy in terms of how people think about it and how it's, like, considered historically. But, like, Shakespeare is, like, super hyperdramatic, like, people's popcorn, like, nothing garbage uh, <laughs> entertainment. So, like, it doesn't, <laughs> you know... He, he is in the spirit of Shakespeare when he is hamming it up. Like, that is how that is supposed to be performed. Yeah. But they don't like it. <laughs> it's not cl classic. <laughs> um, uh, so Devlin is convinced that Lionheart's still alive because nobody was ever found. Um, and that's only kind of confirmed when they get uh, Dickman's heart delivered to them in a little box. Yeah. Uh, the next critic, Oliver Larding, uh, can't help but attend a wine tasting party because, you know, life goes on. Yeah. I'm under constant, uh, like, police surveillance, but, like, yeah, I'll just go, like, into this underground wine cellar with a bunch of people I've never met. The police don't work. I'm a hoity-toity British person. Um, uh, so, yes, we this also, is... We also have, like, the... 
the lackeys in every scene, like playing it up, like dressed up <laughs> yeah. as as like different I, things. I love the lackeys. The lackeys are funny. Um, but yeah, this is obviously another hoax uh, orchestrated by uh, Lionheart. Uh, Larding is drowned in a barrel of wine. Based he's on dressed the... in this hilarious Richard the Third. Oh, it's costume. so good. The Richard the Third get up with like the horrible nose and everything is just, just so funny. You go downstairs to the wine cellar and you see this guy just <laughs> looking at you. It's like. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. He's like reciting Richard the Third, and Larding looks at him and is like, "Um, excuse me, we are doing a wine tasting." <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, uh, just like the Duke of Clarence in the play Richard the Third, uh, Larding is drowned in a barrel of wine. One day I'll make you watch Caligula. It won't take that much convincing. I think after you watch Caligula, you'll understand that maybe it should have taken convincing. <laughs> this movie uh, is, like, inspiring me. Like, I need to go consume a little bit more Shakespeare. Because it's fun. Not Shakespeare. Well, I know Caligula isn't. But it's just in other related, like, media right, that I should right. go check out sort of way. It's got, like, a young Malcolm McDowell that's very naked. Oh, the cast in Caligula is supposed to be the best part about it. <laughs> well. <laughs> um... Devlin confronts Edwina at work. She's like a makeup artist for movies or like maybe like a photo shoot or something. I don't know if she's a very good one. <laughs> Based on the stuff she's doing for her dad. <laughs> yeah, she's just like dabbing a little bit of like red paint on this woman's face. Like, okay, go. Um, so she gets brought in by the police as the prime suspect. Um, and Devlin, despite being told, do not go out alone. He loves to go out alone. He's like, listen... I gotta go to fencing practice. <laughs> I go to fencing school twice a week because I'm a hoity-toity British person. And I can't help myself. Um, where he encounters a again like badly disguised Lionheart. Uh, <laughs> Who's there? Oh, it's just me doing a silly voice. <laughs> it's not Vincent Price. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have a Romeo and Juliet themed uh, sword fight, uh, and Lionheart wins easily. Uh, this is a good sword fight. You now you've you've taken some fencing classes. I have, yeah. Do they have like big trampolines that you can bounce <laughs> on and fight each other on? No. Oh, no. I wish they did. At least they didn't in my fencing studio. Oh, they should though. <laughs> Could you imagine just bouncing, stabbing each other? People <laughs> <laughs> were bouncing and stabbing. <laughs> Um, uh, anyway, uh, Lionheart, uh, gives Devlin, uh, like, his, his backstory of how he survived. Uh, it turns out, like, he washed up, like, on some beach and the homeless people saved him. I like that they're, they're (laughs) always drinking purple drink. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they they nursed him back to health with, uh, alcohol that's just, like, fluorescent purple. With purple soda. Um, uh, Lionheart... Uh, let's Devlin get back up and continue to duel him, but again, beats his ass. He's, like, slicing at him and, like, tearing all his clothes up and <laughs> bleeding. How about you? <laughs> uh, uh, and he's, like, berating him for the arrogance of him and his fellow critics to, you know, criticize performers when they can't even act. And, uh, <laughs> he drops another line here. Uh, alive in triumph. Though you thought me slain. (laughs) We're going to be making movies about this, about critics of anything forever. (laughs) It's true. It's like, you can't do it, though. This is basically the plot of the menu. The menu, I was going to say that. (laughs) Uh, Lionheart allows Devlin to live. 
Uh, and in the hospital, Devlin uh, and the police chief ponder uh, the next murder on the list because they have a convenient list of the plays in yeah, order. Yeah, now they're just having fun with it fully. <laughs> uh, based on Othello, critic uh, Solomon Saltery is led to believe that his wife is unfaithful and he murders her. Um, I... <laughs> the plot for this one is crazy. <laughs> he, you don't understand. He made him do that. <laughs> he did. So... So, okay. He, he definitely, he had no choice but to murder his wife. So the events that happen is Lionheart is like posing as a massage therapist for Saltery's wife. Uh, Saltery gets a tip that his wife is cheating. So when he comes home and hears her like moaning from getting yeah, he, a massage. He does massage her with his dick in her back. <laughs> Um, Saltry is like, and punches through the door. My damn (laughs) wife! I can't wait to kill you! Uh, he, like, punches through the door, opens the door, and then, like, pushes Vincent Price to the side and, uh... You have nothing to do with this. uh, kills his wife. (laughs) Um... He was was forced to do that. Yeah, he had no choice but to kill his wife. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, this is absurd. <laughs> yeah, this is the craziest one. Uh, Vincent Price just kind of walks out of the building up to a cop on the street, and he's like, Officer, if I'm not mistaken, it seems Saltery is murdering his wife. <laughs> and the cop's just like, right then. Well, well. <laughs> All right, carry on. <laughs> um, this counts as killing this guy, I guess, because Saltery will he, die in prison. He might as well be dead. <laughs> they all justify it in the funniest way. Uh, yeah, this is definitely the craziest one. <laughs> uh, maybe I spoke too soon. Next, <laughs> next is Chloe Moon, who goes to get her regular haircut, <laughs> um, only to be greeted by Lionheart in like a hippie disguise. He is so fucking fine. <laughs> he has like a fake perm. It's crazy. He looks incredible. Um, he's like, oh, I I do, uh, princess. What's her name's hair or whatever. <laughs> I'm but. <laughs> Um, so she dies by being, like, electrocuted by fake hair curlers to mirror the burning of Joan of Arc in Henry VI. We're doing some reaching now. While the cop in the other room, like, reads a magazine and, like, sniffs a little bit because she's burning. He's like, oh, I don't want to look at that gay stuff. <laughs> also, uh, this burned, like, flesh effect on her is not very good. No, it's kind of confusing the delivery of the... <laughs> death here it's like is it burning her is it electrocuting her it's listen the effects in generous the effects in this movie aren't very good uh, <laughs> this is maybe like the scariest thing that's happened so far and it looks pretty bad there aren't a lot of uh capital e effects i guess no. so uh edwina meets with devlin again pretending to be shocked that her father's alive <laughs> uh, and she convinces him hey i'm gonna go uh, meet him alone uh, and you should come with and he agrees to that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Another good Lionheart uh, line coming up. Hark, villain, I will grind your bones to dust. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the scene where he is whisking eggs evilly, I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Which is a moment. Uh, the cops guarding Meredith... Meridu are lured away, uh, and Lionheart and Co. sneak into his home, posing as uh, fake celebrity TV chefs. Um, okay, so Meridu's whole thing—we haven't talked about it up until this point. He is—he is the kind of fat guy that they 
play oboe music behind as he walks. (laughs) That's right. He's a great big fat guy. And his other thing is he has two cute little toy poodles. I know. I I aspire to this level of richness where I can just have two small dogs in my arms to my to my heaving bosom. (laughs) They're just like perched on his shoulders. I don't have to lift a finger. I'm just holding these dogs. (laughs) Um so Lionheart, um, pretending that he's like, oh, we're doing a surprise filming in your house. Here's like some some TV food. Look, we're filming you. Uh, he's like, here, eat this pie, um, which it turns out is made from his dogs, uh, which is riffing on Titus Andronicus, I guess. They're like, those poodles are pretty lean because that's a white meat. <laughs> it's uh, like chicken. They like force feed him to death with poodle pie. They have a second pie with that poodle heads on it, and these things are hilarious. <laughs> these little, little plush poodle heads are so funny. Uh, another Vincent Price one-liner here: "Pity he didn't have the stomach for it." <laughs> I think he did. I think I think that man would have ate it if you let him. If you let him, he would have eaten that whole thing. <laughs> They're already dead. Um. Anyway, yeah, uh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> trying to ignore what I'm saying. Uh, Devlin, um, attempting to lure Lionheart out, agrees to meet uh, him with Edwina uh, while being tracked by the police in, like, a sting operation. Even they, though... have, they have a good sense of humor about it. They all have Shakespearean code names. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, Edwina, like, very easily tricks him and the police... Uh, which results in... It hasn't been hard so far. Yeah, uh, Devlin is captured, and the police uh, tail, who was, like, hiding out in the trunk of his car, is uh, smashed by a train. We don't get to see it, unfortunately, but it is very funny. It's very funny. It's like he's relaying... He's like, oh, it's a train! (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, in the trunk of the car and, like, relaying via radio to the cops, like, what's happening in the car, and he's like, oh, we've stopped. Oh, I hear a train. A T-R-A-I, and then, like, just a crashing Um, Devlin wakes up in the abandoned theater bound to a chair for a restaging of the Critics Award of 1970. Uh, Devlin uh, refuses to award Lionheart the Best Actor Award while Lionheart uh, threatens to blind him, uh, just like that scene in King Lear. Yeah. Uh, like where they put two knives on a big slidey contraption and, and let them <laughs> the like saw trap. Yeah, I, was, I literally have written in my notes this that this think, is a saw I trap. I think this is a saw trap in one of the later ones, not one of the better ones. Um, meanwhile, the cops interrogate one of Lionheart's henchmen. They're like bribing him with alcohol to like give away Lionheart's location. Um, and Edwina reveals herself to be like Lionheart's chief henchman. I feel like you should have known that. This is super fun. Uh, because it's a great disguise. Yeah, but I feel like you should have known. I mean, already. the disguise is like sunglasses and a big mustache and like big hair. So she like, she went big with it. Obviously, a disguise, right? Um, but it is super fun to yeah. have like the oh, I've been in this movie all along in scenes and you didn't realize. Yeah, um, super good. Um, uh, she awards her father with the Critics Award as yeah the saw trap, which is supposed to gouge Devlin's eyes out, kind of jams. Uh, and the police arrive to I would save be the make, day. I would be making sure that that saw trap was actually working if I was going to deliver this as my final <laughs> As my hurrah. final big one, I would have like done a test run or something. Yeah. Uh, Lionheart uh, triumphantly burns down the theater um, as Edwina tries to like order the homeless people around. One of them kind of panics and attacks her with the big trophy. Well, 
I think Rip. this yeah, I think this is kind of sad. It's like just kind of out of nowhere. She just loved her dad. <laughs> um, you want this kind of parental relationship with your child that they will murder with you. And die for you. <laughs> uh, Lionheart cradles her as she dies and delivers like a final speech through tears. Vincent Price like fully hemming it up here. Uh, I, I need to know how many Vincent Price movies end with him yelling in a burning building. Because it feels <laughs> like it's a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, howl, howl, howl. Oh, you are men of stone. <laughs> really good. Uh the police arrive just in time to free Devlin as Lionheart uh, climbs to the top of the burning building with Edwina. His dusting is so funny. <laughs> yeah, he, so he delivers like a final speech from King Lear and then just unceremoniously falls through the collapsing ceiling. It's like, ah! <laughs> and then he dies. Uh, Devlin closes us out with the snarky line of uh, a fascinating performance. Though he was madly overacting as usual. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, and we, uh, oh, he also says, but you must admit, he did know how to make an exit. And we roll credits. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Sunglasses moment. And that's Theater of Blood. Theatra. Theatra. I loved it. I love this movie. <laughs> we, we've seen this movie before. I think, like, the first time I watched this movie, I was in like a haze and do not fully i was not ready for it <laughs> you weren't I, ready for it i was not ready for like how relentless this movie is you um, need to be ready for it. i feel like on my next watch through i also liked it more yeah it's just like you watch it the second you watch it the first time and you're just like whoa there's shakespeare references like flying here and there there's all that kinds of crazy disguises the plot is all over the place there's like these homeless people characters that there are just crazy like crazy murders happening, wandering constantly. around, a bunch of crazy murders. It's like flying past you. This time, I had a little bit more time to like sit and sit with it, and I thought it was great. Yeah, you just need to be fully into it, into the mood of the, yeah. the theater. Um, yeah, you know, it's just Vincent Price doing the damn thing. Like his one-liners are so funny. Um, it's just he's he's giving. I'm the always full... so happy to see him. <laughs> I am always. The thing is, he's in this movie a lot, which is what you want. It's what you want. Like you, you watch this movie where it's like, oh, it's going to be Vincent Price doing. Anytime he's not on screen, you're wondering when you're going to see Vincent Price again. Especially when he's doing all these crazy Shakespeare send ups and stuff. Right? Like it's it's just a lot of fun. Um, they use him the correct amount, which is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a well seasoned yeah. movie. I don't think you can overuse him. Um. But yeah, uh, we kind of blew through the summary, but I mean, it is just like a bunch of murders happening it's, in sequence. Listen, it's, it is formulaic to a fault, but I think part of that is like to its benefit because you yeah. get what you're going to get. I, I mean, you get what you want, which is you get like nine murders and a bunch of hammy acting and yeah. like, yeah, it's just a great time. Um, you know, there's some weird stuff in it for sure. Uh... I, I always feel weird when there's, like, homeless characters in a movie that just kind of, like, writhe around and aren't people and are just, They're kind of like, like cartoon homeless people with, yeah. like, big crooked hats. Like, yeah. they came out of, like, Oliver Twist or something. Yeah, 100%. And, like, you know, there's, like, a, some some fat phobic jokes in there or whatever. But it's all delivered with, like, such, like, a, a glint in the eye and, like, a I feel like thing. it's funny. It manages to still be, like, a lot of fun. Um... Yeah, it's just... You, you... Plus, there's the Shakespeare stuff that you can't really avoid because it's a movie about Shakespeare. Yeah, like, you know, 
one of the murders is like Merchant of Venice and we're just going to be talking about Shylock a little bit, you know, uh, you can't avoid it. I mean, I feel like there is like this British culture out there like, oh, well, uh, Shakespeare, you know, it wasn't always uh, politically correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, how did you how did you feel about it? I, I love this movie. Yeah. You you just like on a whim the first time we watched this. I just was unleashed like, it on you. Oh, we should just watch this Vincent Price movie. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, I unleashed it on you without saying anything. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was just it was just wild. I do think like, yeah, I think like the repeat viewings definitely add to it. I think it's pretty rewatchable. I think when you have time to like digest everything that's being thrown at you, yeah. it's a lot more fun. Yeah, there is a lot of fun stuff in there. There's a lot of like little like poke in the ribs fun like background jokes like the the henry the sixth murder like her hairdresser's name is supposed to be henry like stuff yeah like that. yeah there's there's lots of fun little notes like that like the um the guy who dies like hector in the in that play is named hector yeah things like that to kind of clue you in on like what's coming they show you fully like the list of the plays right yeah. at the beginning not a subtle movie no but that's that's exactly what I want. <laughs> it's exactly what you want. Um, should we should we give it a rating? Yes, let's get to the ratings because this will be very rewarding. This is going to be great. So we start off with the spookiness rating. How good were the scares, the kills, and the overall vibes? It's like a two. <laughs> it's not, it's a... not the strength of the movie. It's not a scary movie, no, but I mean, it's a fun movie. It, it's like a horror comedy. Like, it's not really, like, the scares are not really there. I think, like... Some of the vibes managed to be kind of scary. I think some of the scenes in, like, the abandoned building towards the beginning are pretty good. I think, like, some of the, like, uh, menace that Vincent Price is delivering and, like, some of his scenes are really good. Like, you can tell he is, like, packed full of, like, malice and hatred for these guys. Um, that I really, I really enjoy his, like, delivery of that. Like, that yeah. all comes through. Love him. Yeah. Uh, at- Lionheart was robbed. He was right the whole time, etc. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I do think that that does give like a little bit of of menace to it. So yeah, it's like a two. It's not like a super scary movie, but it, I I really enjoy yeah. what is there. Uh, next up is watchability. How easy is it to throw this movie on and have a good time? I think it's like four. It's pretty good. I think like it can't be a five because. I did struggle with it a little bit the first time, but I feel like on rewatch, there's a lot there to kind of dig it into. It is a better movie on rewatch, now that we're both saying this, I, I would feel, but yes. Especially once you, like, dig into the Shakespeare references and stuff. Like, yeah, there's a lot of fun, fun stuff. Like, I'm not super familiar with, like, all of the Shakespeare references, but, like, I get, uh, you know. It's so, it's so just, like, ingrained in our culture. Like, you're gonna know some stuff you're, about yeah, a lot of this stuff. Totally. Um. So, yeah, I like four. It's, like... You know, it, it's just like a, they give you what you want. Absolutely. You know, it, it's a good it's a good mix of that stuff. And then last up is the Vincent Price vamp rating. What else is it going to be? We're giving it a five, people. It's, a five. it's Vincent goddamn Price. We named the scale after him. Any any of his movies are going to be auto fives. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Like, it's just, it's why you're here. It's five. It's why... The scale is called this. Well, and the, this movie, I do think, is, like, set up for him to succeed at doing yeah. what he does best. Yeah. Like, this is a movie of him 
playing Shakespeare, which is already has the opportunity to be super hammy and campy and fun. It is. And I think like the Shakespeare is delivered in a fun and interesting way. Like, I yeah, he he should have been a theater actor as well if he really wanted to do that. I think that would have been fun as well. Well, I think part of the reason why like he hadn't played Shakespeare performances in the past is he got like kind of pigeonholed as a horror guy. Well, and also a lot of like the more traditional ways to play Shakespeare are very like up and down kind of straight laced stuffy kind of performances where he doesn't fit in as well Mm. and I think this is like showing the kind of potential for that in film where you can be a little bit more dynamic with it yeah I think it's really good apparently they did make a a stage play version of this movie which I think is kind (laughs) of a fun idea that's fun um and I do like the rest of the cast in this, too. I want to give the rest of the cast credit. Like, all of the, like, various uh, critic people as the most stuffy British person you've ever met are pretty fun. Um, uh, yeah, I like, um, yeah, I like the cast. Like, Vincent Price is here as the star of the show, but, like, it's not just him. Like, there are other people putting in, like, a performance that I think is pretty good. This would be a good remake candidate for, like, a modernized take. Going after, like, Oscars people <laughs> for, for, like, this Razzies actor. But who's going to play the Vincent Price role with no Vincent Price? Mm, Willem Dafoe. You know what? <laughs> that could be a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. Uh, all right. Well, that that's Theater of Blood. Opal, do you have any closing thoughts in the movie? Anything you didn't get to that you want to you wanna get out there? But soft, why yonder window breaks? That's not right, is it? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, oh, where? Uh, wait, no. Uh. We have things to do, my friend. You have forgotten your duties. Listen, it's been weeks. I, I, <laughs> I haven't... Uh, I said duties. <laughs> bring me the goddamn movie sack. Slapping our knee about it. I've been I've been wanting to pull in a new movie. I had to tell you, I added a lot more movies into the sack. There are still some left from our first run before the break. There are like three before then, but I added like six today. Okay. So there's there's lots of them in there. Lots of stuff in there. We'll see what we get. Like, I'm glad we pulled Theater of Blood, but, like, the next movie we were going to do for the podcast for the last, like, month has been Theater of Blood. So I'm really excited. We need anticipation. I'm excited to have a new thing to look forward to. And that's going to be Chopping Mall. Yes. Fuck yeah. Chopping um, Mall. Uh, this is 1980-something. It doesn't matter. Uh... <laughs> It's a very 80s movie. Very, super 80s. Very fun. We'll have lots to talk about. Oh, we'll have some stuff to talk about. <laughs> and uh, yeah, jo- join us uh, next week for that. I hope you like malls. I hope you like robots. I hope you like robots and malls. And teens. Chopping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Opal, uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find my links at opal.card.co. You can find my Twitter and all my stuff in my links. Uh, the show also has a Twitter at Scary Pair. 
Check us out there. Tell your friends about the show. We always like having more listeners. We are so back, baby. We are fucking back. Uh, so let people know. Uh, Tell everyone. Tell I'm, everyone we're back. As usual, I'm at putrid underscore imp on Twitter, and I do another podcast with my friend Austin at Level With You Pod on Twitter, where we play a few hours of World of Warcraft Classic every week and uh, talk about it. Check that out if you're into games in general. Games. Because you don't have to be a World of Warcraft fan to enjoy it, I don't think, although most of our dedicated listeners are. So thank you. Makes sense. All right, Opal. Huh? Nice week reading shopping mall. Why are you talking to me like I that? I don't know. Why is this why is this what happens now? You do something weird and then I'm confused about it and then we end the show. I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> what if I did that to you? You do that to me every week <laughs> on the show. That's the joke, thank you. Alright, goodbye everyone. Good night. <laughs>